everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. We are 100% sponsor-based, which means that all the revenues we derive come from sponsorships. But I try to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically trying to choose those who have values well aligned to the values expressed on this show, like freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do is a few ad reads right here at the top of the show and then a few ad, ad reads in the middle. And I hope you won't skip them. I hope you'll take the time, listen and see what they have to offer, because again, these are hand selected sponsors. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Swan Private. Swan Private is a concierge financial services firm based in Los Angeles. Now, I've known the Swan team for years, and these guys are laser focused on the Bitcoin mission. They even have a zero tolerance policy for all shitcoining. Recently, their CEO, Corey Clipston, was instrumental in calling out many of these crypto scams right before they collapsed, saving a lot of people a lot of money in the process. Swan Private focuses on guiding high net worth individuals and businesses on all aspects of Bitcoin strategy, including buying, custodying, and market research. This concierge service provides you direct access to a private advisor by text, phone, or email. So go to swanprivate.com slash breedlove today to sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Ledin. Ledin lets you do more with your digital assets. For instance, Ledin offers a B2X loan product that lets you leverage your existing Bitcoin to buy even more Bitcoin. Or you can also get traditional Bitcoin collateralized US dollar loans through Ledin as well. Ledin also offers both Bitcoin and USDC denominated savings accounts, letting you generate yield on your digital assets. Recently, Ledin has launched a Bitcoin mortgage product as well that lets you use Bitcoin to buy a home or finance one that you already own. So go to Ledin.io, that's L-E-D-N.io today to sign up. Well, Slim, we meet again. Yes, we do. This time we're in Georgia. Yes, this time we we're in Georgia. Well, I didn't know you. I know you, of course, because you're Robert Breedlove, Love, but we talked on through Zoom. Yeah. Uh, it took us a while to connect, but now I've seen you twice in one week in Nashville. That's right. And now we're in Bluffton, Georgia at White Oak Pastures. And it's a beautiful little oasis out it there. It is, isn't yeah. it? It's kind of cool. You kind of have to drive a little bit to get here. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. experienced that. We did the six-hour drive. We've got quite a few bugs on the grill and the right. windshield, but all worth it, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, just by way of quick introduction, mm -hmm. you are the founder of the Beef Initiative. Yes. Which is really what we're here to talk about and do at this event. Yeah. Um, maybe for just people that have no idea what we're talking about, what is the Beef Initiative? Why sure. is it important? Well, kind of the roadmap that happened with the Beef Initiative was that about, you know, where I come from, I come from research analysis and big tech. I got out of that, you know, probably less, less than a decade ago. But about three years ago, I started diving into something I called food intelligence. Mm. I come from ag and ranching in West Texas. And, you know, I saw a lot of metabolical diseases in my own family. I saw a lot of health issues. Mm. I, I've kinda, I'm kind of beat up. I've had like 
20 broken bones. I've got like 14 pieces wow. of metal in me. You know, I've, I've kind of used the medical system in certain ways, <laughs> but I had an internal injury and I was like, man, I need to look at food again. I want to kind of look at it. Yeah. Let's take a different approach. And so I started diving into it and what I started finding out, I started uncovering and I started connecting some dots and the food intelligence that is required now to live and to be healthy is has changed in basically the last 10 years mm. dramatically and i i wanted to find out why why are we so unhealthy you know what did i need to do to basically be like i always have because i grew up with a freezer full of beef right being west texas and so i identified a lot of problems within the global industrial food complex and then I said, well, if you're going to do that, you can't bitch and moan all the time. You always got to provide a solution. And so I kind of tapped into, you know, how I was raised and how my family and how my ancestors used mm. to live. And I knew that something like the beef initiative needed to be brought forth as far as an idea that people could act on. Yes. And so okay. what it is, it's, it's a basically a way that you can decentralize your food systems mm. from the individual to communities to whatever the size you want. We used to live in a different way when it came to, to food. So the beef initiative kind of happened. It was one of those things that happened holistically and, and naturally. And, you know, that was probably a little bit over a year ago. I've been on the road doing the food intelligence. I went and embedded myself in a harvest company. I went and did my research and analysis. I fed homeless people. I looked at uh, school programs and how they're feeding our kids. Mm -hmm. And, and with this last year, whenever I launched the Beef Initiative, I, I, I tapped into my childhood, how I was taught, go shake a rancher's hand. Yeah, I love go that. Go find out what he's doing, yeah. why he's doing it. And because, you know, our ranchers are under attack, meat is under attack, mm -hmm. you know, this global push money. for global, <laughs> Yeah, money. Right. You know, everything's under attack. Yeah. So I, th I figure being in the Bitcoin space, this is how we can help the ranchers. We can get people looking at real food mm -hmm. and we can decentralize because we're, we're moving forward with a decentralized mindset. Yeah. And so, right. you know, the Beef Initiative is really right now, it's relationship building. Yeah. And it's happening. I mean, I wouldn't have known you, you wouldn't have known me. Yeah. But I'm meeting all these fascinating people that are wanting to be a part of it. And we're kind of, you know, building it out as we go. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's a network effect, obviously, in yeah. beef and ranching. And it's sort of connected with the Bitcoin network effect. Mm -hmm. And the communities seem to be merging and to some extent. And Oh, um, man, naturally. Naturally. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Why people are like, what's with the fucking Bitcoiners? Why do they all eat beef? Why are they carnivore crazed? <laughs> right. And I'm convinced that there's something about nutrient density and economic density, right? Yeah. We want, you just want a lot of energy mm -hmm. per unit of effort, right? So yeah. if you're going to put your savings somewhere, you want it to be dense and hold value. You're going to eat food. You want something that's dense and valuable to your body. Mm -hmm. And so what, so that's my own little reason why I'm a carnivore crazy. But I love that. I mean, the density of it. I mean, I think a lot of times it takes people a time to understand when it comes to nutrition mm -hmm. the most important thing really is density yes you know yes. you know density and money density right. and nutrition, nutrition. Is absolutely 100 percent. and it was a long path for me that you know tried a lot of other things right up to and including veganism which was a really bad idea wow and this is uh it's helped me and it's helped a lot of people what is it about the industry specifically because i think you said to me one time that there's four producers or four processors, processors yeah. of beef in the country. So this, the beef initiative is sort of going around that. Yeah. What in the, if you look at the, the beef industry as a whole, 
a global look at the beef industry and the processing and packers. Okay, there's basically four major processor packers that control 80% of the processing in the United States. Mm, wow. Those three of them are not even American corporations. They're global corporations that they get to basically manipulate our animal protein industry in the United States in ways that people don't understand. Right. They basically have created a prohibition against our ranchers and the market access for those ranchers to be able to sell their beef. They're kind of handcuffed. They have to bring they have to their funnel beef. it through the same process. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so those processors, though, what they are, they're also the distributors. Mm. They're the ones that get to make all the contracts to right. sell that beef okay. on the global scale. Yeah. And so whenever you get that, you have ranchers that basically have to stop. They don't get to go to the household of that person that they sold that beef to anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't know where our beef comes from anymore. Right. And if you look at that, the USDA stamp of approval, USDA prime, all those labeling laws, these certifications that we've had have been so manipulated mm -hmm. and there's been so much regulatory yeah. capture that none of that really matters anymore. Right, right, you don't right. know where your beef is coming. You, well, it can be coming from Brazil, Uruguay, Australia, and it's going to say USDA Prime, and you're not even going to know. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And the quality has just gone downhill. Yes. And so what the American producer, the rancher, we still produce and grow the best beef in the world. That fantastic beef that we're we're growing and we're stewarding and using our soil for mm -hmm. is it getting sold to the highest bidder on the global market right. we the american citizens don't get market access to it anymore mm. interesting yeah it's, wow. it's fascinating and if people more people knew that right then they their consumer de demand will change right because they want to basically they want the best beef they want the best dense beef the yeah. best dense nutrition they can get right they're really unaware of it, and there's a form of it. It's not willful ignorance, but it's a form of ignorance. It's actually kind of transpired over a couple of decades. Yeah. And so that's what we're kind of doing with the beef finish is bringing that awareness. That's amazing. Uh, you know, you see this consequence of fiat in a lot of industries mm -hmm. that it drives centralization yeah. towards something like this. If it's for providers, I guess that's an oligopoly, something like something that. Something like that, man. And so they... Obviously, if you have a monopoly, that's the worst thing you can have in a market. But mm -hmm. second worst would be that type of situation. Yeah. And if they control all the contracts and they've got the whole market share of the ranchers, they're just squeezing both sides, right? It's, yeah. It's an excess accumulation of, of, I guess, bargaining power in the marketplace that wouldn't exist on a non-fiat standard or to a lesser extent. Sure. And so you guys are working around that. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting because what I can't remember who said this to me, but the ranchers are more or less forced to sell to these processors, right? Pretty I mean, much in the way, what you look at our agricultural department in the United States, basically you, you Robert Breedlove, probably cannot consume probably 85% of your food that you're eating from the supermarket unless it's been approved by a chemical or a grain company. Huh. And that's something called a technology use agreement that a lot of these people that do sell to these processor packers they have to sign and what it is it's a contract that's based on grain and chemicals fertilizers pesticides there's a lot of there's a big protocol that you have to basically sign off to well and, and you it, have to use it's you have monsanto's to use, and yeah the monsanto's yeah, yeah, yeah. now right. it's just bear you know right. that bear owns monsanto yeah. 
But because of that fact, if you don't play the game, then you don't have access. You don't have market access right. to get rid wow. of your cattle. And so where are you going to sell it? Right. I mean, you can't go to the grocery store. The grocery store has contracts with JBS, yeah. Tyson, National, yeah. and Cargill. So you're kind of handcuffed. So you have to go along with it. So, so they're forcing the poisons into the market, basically, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. With the Substack, what I did is I told you I was on a, uh, embedded myself in the harvest company. I went all the way from Texas, all the way to the border of Canada, and all mm -hmm. the way back to Texas. And I accumulated a lot of research. I was writing, you know, I was taking notes. You know, I was really, I was checking in on the grain companies. I was seeing what we were planting, why we're planting in the United States. I learned a lot of, as I say, food intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I, I left Harvest early. I said, shit, I, I'm going to go, I got to write about this. Because I was on, you know, Twitter a little bit. And I hadn't really introduced myself as much. But I wanted to spread the word. So I wrote a uh, article called The Harvest of Deception. Hmm. And so I basically, I said, okay, you got to present what the source of the seed of this, uh, the issue is. And then let's move into the source of the seed of what the solution is. What is the issue? What is the solution? And so I, I did a pretty good introductory with the harvest of deception. And from there, it just took off. Hmm. But I knew that I had to spread it out into the Bitcoin space. Right. And so I could have released it in a lot of different ways, but I chose to do Bitcoin Twitter. Right. And within a day, everybody was like picking up on it. I love and it. And then within a week, I was doing podcasts. Well, the great thing about Bitcoiners is everyone already knows most of the things in the world are bullshit or scams. Exactly. So it's not a big fence for them to get over. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And it was funny because, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of ranchers. We've got a lot of ranchers in the, the beef initiative. And this is just to give credit to Bitcoiners. One of my ranchers said, man, Slim, said, why? in the beginning, I didn't know why in the hell you were just going through Bitcoin Twitter. And you weren't on like Instagram or, you know, you know, all the social media stuff. And it took him about six months because the, the Bitcoiners started buying from him. He goes, I get it now. He goes, they're so intentional. Right. They understand. They're about transparency. Yeah. This is a rancher saying right. they're about transparency, about truth, yes. about like, honesty. Traditional you know? values. Yeah, and, yeah, base values. Right. And freedom. And freedom. Yeah. There you have it. So th this model that you're implementing though it is taking us back back mm -hmm. to the original model right yeah <clears throat> that it, ranchers sold direct to consumers early on before this whole thing got yeah industrialized yeah that's what i you know i told you i, I had to reflect on had to look back at you know how, how i was raised and how you know i grew up with the freezer of beef man yeah. i i could always have a hamburger when i wanted i was cooking yeah. my own stuff when i was five you want something to eat go get you a steak yeah and so, you know, but who did that was my grandfather. So I looked and I, I really went and dissected, you know, small town Texas is what I did. If you look at Texas and where we came from, I mean, we basically fed a nation at one time it, back in the late 1800s. That was the cattle drive. Mm. And so there's a lot of history that, that we can look at and we can see how we did it. And I was talking to Will Harris today and we did a podcast and there's over 200 uh, microprocessing plants that are mothballed in the state of Texas. Hmm. Well, you look at that many, there's 254 counties in the state of Texas. So if you look how they used to do it, you used to have a community that fed a community. And what it did, the, the, the ground zero of feeding that community was a microprocessing mm -hmm. center. 
And so with our business model within the Beef Initiative, we're bringing the, uh, back the idea that this is how you start feeding a community, how mm. you build a community is be, being able to provide it dense animal protein. And so it all starts connecting dots. Gotcha. And, you, and how do you get there? Where's that roadmap? Let's look at how our grandparents used to do it. Right. So, that, so that's the, the decentralized, decentralized model you have in mind is getting mm -hmm. back to this uh, microprocessor, rancher, consumer connection. And 100%. building out networks of them. Exactly. Right. Because if you look at that you, and you look at the ranchers, they, they always have to face corruption. They always have yeah. to face price manipulation, volatility. Right. This is every day. They're proof of work no matter what, 24-7. And if you look about how they have to think as a rancher and the one that's a smaller regenerative rancher, kind of like what Will Harris is in a way, you, you notice that they have the mindset they already think decentral. Right. They, that's how they live their lives. Right. It's communal, right? It's, yeah. It is. Yeah. It, it is. It, 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 it has a lot of, um, you know, custodialship to it. It yeah. has a lot of ownership to it. It right. has a lot of proof of work to it. So you start putting all that together, and you realize, you know, to really build community, where do you start? Well, you start with energy. Right. What energy do we consume now? What is our consumption model From of energy? From the sun to the grass to the cow. Right? There you right there, man. It is. <laughs> and uh, Will Harris, you mentioned that name. Mm -hmm. That is White Oak Pastures. That right? is. So that's yeah. where we are at. Yeah, White exactly. Oak Pastures. White Oak Pastures. Uh, Bluffton, Georgia. Bluffton, population Georgia. 103, I think. Something like that. And every <laughs> one of them, almost, almost all of them work for White Oak Pastures. Yeah. What it is right behind us, this has been here in his family since 1866. Wow. And he's gone from basically how we used to do things, just yeah. like we've talked about. Well, they went into the commodity cowboy market, mm -hmm. and that's what we call it, com commodity cowboy. That's whenever we introduced herbicides, pesticides, mm -hmm. certain chemicals, you know, grains and everything into um, our agricultural world. Well, he, he went to school uh, for it. He went to university. Well, he didn't like that way, and he wanted to separate himself out from that. Mm. And so 25 years ago, he changed his business model. He went back to into a vertical integration, just like you just said, from mm. the sun to the soil to the grass to the cow to mm. the producer, processor to our forks. Right. And yeah. he was one of the first people that pioneered back into that. Right. So I figured we let's Bitcoiners, let's all come to Bluffton, Georgia. Yeah. And let's have See a kind of a, yeah, let's let's have so a So this would be kind of a microcosm for the the larger network you have in mind. hundred percent. He has a microprocessor here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he built his own processor and it's right over there. Yeah. And so he doesn't have to worry about anything. He is decentralized. He's vertically integrated. He doesn't have to have permission. Yep. He follows the law you know, as the law right. better than the law follows, follows itself. Right. And so by saying that, and he's the first person to say that, he goes, this is not scalable for him. Yeah. He's at capacity. Right. But what it one. is, it's duplicatable yes. a right. million times. Right. Right. And so that's what we're doing within so the So this is a node, basically. It, it is. Node, we're yeah. building out nodes. And now the other thing that, I don't remember who said this to me, but when ranchers are forced to sell to the large processors mm -hmm. that they lose control of the last i mean i think it was several weeks or several months of the animal's life with their probably eating. about 90 days usually so, if they take it up to that point so yeah. they can feed them on the best grass diet but 100%. the last 90 days the yeah. big processors are feeding them just sludge and garbage yeah and it's not all you know and this is where we we talk about perspective mm -hmm. let's not 
and we all do it, we generalize, not every factory, not every commodity cowboy is, it's not the producers that are bad. It mm. is the, the processing and the chemical and the grain companies. Right. But what you would, ha what you would see is you'd see somebody, all cows start off on grass. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't right. start off on anything else yeah. and they are taken to a certain point in time in their lives. And, you know, that's, that's something that can be stewarded. It can be monitored. The protocol is amazing. But then at a certain point in time, it's like, okay, I'm, I got to get rid of this cow because I can't take it any further. Mm -hmm. And if I have a processing date, that processing date was set 18 months ago. A lot of them don't have that time. They don't have that versatility to take that cow all the way into that 18 months. So what they do is they get rid of it, goes into the factory farming apparatus. Mm -hmm. Therefore, about 90 days, like I said, then they become a fat cow. Right. That's what it's called. And so, and the old way was more of like an art, right? Was it yeah. the rancher 100%. knowing when the individual animal was ready to go? Exactly. And then take them out. To yeah, you're on your own timetable. You're yeah. doing your own artistic. You know, yeah. your canvas was there. Then it was your canvas. Yeah. It wasn't somebody else's canvas. Right. Something so. else that really uh, landed with me. They call themselves grass farmers mm -hmm. rather than beef ranchers because ultimately it's about getting the soil right getting the grass right yeah and then the the ruminant animal takes care of itself almost. exactly is that if you're a damn good grass farmer you got the best cows out there right <laughs> and what well how do you how are you a grass farmer well you use the land tools yeah and you you know that the the cow is going to basically instinctively know how to graze on that forage it's amazing once you get into the different types of forages behind us, you know, different types of grass, weeds, whatever it is, those cows will tell you what they want and what they need. Right. Instinctively, they know the nutrients they need and they know how to get it. Right. And they'll stop. They won't go down to the root system. They won't destroy the grass. And you'll remove them. That's why it's called rotational grazing. Yeah. Let the land tools go out there and do it in that grass, basically the root systems get deeper the soil gets stronger and then basically it creates more fuel for the animal the animal comes does its job the animal becomes what we consume because the animal took all those nutrients and minerals out of the ground mm. and gave them and transferred them to us wow. transfer of in energy yeah yeah it's amazing and that's why they call themselves grass farmers right except in texas most of them to say they're ranchers <laughs> <laughs> so and that i assume that comes through in the quality of the beef of course. if they're eating what they want and they're happier healthier you know free-range cow i don't think is a term but they're eating what they want right what they're what they've evolved to eat yeah rather than being forced into this processing queue of time and I, I don't know what are they typically the large processes what are they typically feeding them the last 90 days <laughs> well that's where we get all confused right i mean from antibiotics to the steroids that everybody's aware of but a lot of times it's you know we we look at our corn in you know in this country a lot of a corn that we actually do farm now is not edible mm -hmm. what we feed it to livestock Gotcha. And so it's genetically modified grains mm. is what they, you know, and there's a lot of places that will do and they'll, they'll recycle a lot of waste product into that. And I say waste product, let's say candy, they'll right. grind up candy and, you know, in the wrappers and they'll put it into a certain type of grain. You know, it's a fructose, it's a sweetness. There's a lot of things that, you know, they, they do and that they add, but once again, labeling laws within the grain industry within our own foods con consumption 
you don't have to be told what they're putting in things anymore. Yeah. And, you know, we have the gross rule. It's called, for humans, it's, it's the gross rule. It's the FDA. It's generally recognized as safe. Mm -hmm. Well, even this past October, they won a lawsuit to where they can introduce 2,000 new chemicals into our food industry. They don't have to tell us what it is. Because wow. it's generally recognized as safe. And so we don't know. I mean, you can, you can disseminate it and you can put it under a microscope. All you need to know is that it's, it's not something that you want to be consuming. Right. And basically what happens is the cow becomes a recycling bin of that type of corporate waste. Yeah. And then we become a recycling bin of that cow. Wow. Are there other countries, these general, what did you call them? Generally recognized as safe. Is this U.S. specific? And yeah, that's, probably, that's the FDA. Yeah. And are they illegal in other countries in the world, do you know? As far as, well, it depends on where Bear, Monsanto, Cargill, everybody has their, their kind of their, you know, their grip right. on, on the food industry, so on the grain the industry, right. and, you know, the livestock industry, the agriculture, just depends, you know, you, you, you look at Brazil, and I've introduced this now, and we'll be moving forward with it as far as knowing what's going on in the global beef industry. Yeah. Well, China basically, you know, cut down a lot of rainforest. They got, you know, everybody's like, quit cutting down the rainforest. Well, China was creating a new beef industry in South America. Okay. Oh, okay. And a lot of people don't realize that, but they were using our dollars to basically clear cut the rainforest. And so now you have one of the major processors in the world is JBS. They're headquartered in Brazil. Huh. Okay. So they start off in good grass, right? Well, that, that cow, it's called the Brazilian cattle drive. That cow can start off on grass in Brazil, but it's gonna make its way up through to Mexico. It's gonna be fed the commodity grains, then it's gonna be basically shipped across the border, so say somewhere south of San Antonio, and it'll be harvested in, in Texas. Then it'll say, it can say USDA prime. Hmm. It's, not, wow. it's not American beef. So when you say cattle drive, you mean they're actually driving? not not really. I'm, oh. I, I say that kind of rhetorically in a way that's kind of just gets you a visual. Gotcha. They're they're making sure that that cattle does make its way alive, right. probably through truck, train, whatever it is. But you it's know? not a U.S. not from mm -mm. it's not a U.S. raised cow. No, basically. but okay. see, then as we're doing all the really good beef, like let's say in Texas. Yeah. And we get, we have really good stewarded beef that's grass fed. Maybe even it's finished off on commodity grains. Still damn good beef, better than most of the world can produce. Yeah. Well, that gets processed probably in the same processing plant. Mm. Well, that beef goes to where? It goes to the highest bidder on the global market, which mm. is usually China. Hmm. China's really? yeah, China's getting American beef as we're eating basically beef okay, that is. Why is that? What's going on there that we're shipping beef? across the it's ocean. the global market it's the global industrial so food complex us. oh yeah yeah it's just highest bidder it's it's the global market and even you know it's basically the decisions are done the contracts are done on on the the uh the government level gotcha you know it's that high up to where those decisions make and then of course it's trickled down right how many touch points how many middlemen get thrown into the food system at that time right and that's where, once again, I always tell everybody, it's very daunting. Let's, you don't have to overly figure it out. What you need to understand is you don't have to participate. Yes, you can opt out. You just opt right. out. Yeah. You know, We can sit here all day long and we can go why and who and all that. It's like, okay, we, we know it exists. Yeah. Now that we have that clarity, let's put our energy in basically into the solution, right. like I said. Which is going back to the way we did things exactly. for so long. Yeah. Uh, the pre-fiat 
food right. system. Yeah. Basically. Wow. Well, then I do. I use that a lot. I see, you know, we didn't have supermarkets before 1971, hmm. but what the fuck happened in mm -hmm. 1971, mm -hmm. right? I've gone to supermarkets across the United States. There's one I did in Texas, and I think it was United, and it said, 1971 <laughs> United <laughs> supermarket yes. and they and you can do a Google search and they they're prideful that the supermarket came at the same time we debased our dollar well guess what we debased our food right because we basically had to create some new fake commodities that's what I call them so we could actually generate new profits that used to not have to right. be generated but now could be on a global market yeah I often joke that the the global fiat currency pyramid scheme is closely related to the government food pyramid it, scheme. Yeah, I mean, it's, it really is. It's really bad. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it. Legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian Chris Rock. Insurance. you got to have some insurance. You got to, there's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. <laughs> like, I give a company some money in case shit happens. <laughs> now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? <laughs> so with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. Wasabi lets you use Bitcoin privately while still maintaining full control over your money. Specifically, Wasabi Wallet is an open source, non-custodial wallet with privacy built in by default. By using Wasabi, you're effectively putting the private back in private property. Wasabi Wallet is an easy-to-use privacy wallet that can support any amount of Bitcoin transactions. So, go to wasabiwallet.io today to download this state-of-the-art wallet software. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Pacific Bitcoin Conference, brought to you by Swan. Now, this is going to be a two-day event in Los Angeles, November 10th and 11th, 2022. And if you haven't been to a Bitcoin conference yet, I highly recommend it as there really is no better way to get integrated into the Bitcoin community. Speakers announced so far include Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, uh, many others. I'll be speaking as well. Uh, Michael Saylor is even quoted as saying, this is going to be the event of the year. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Uh, so go to PacificBitcoin.com and use discount code BREEDLOVE to get your tickets today. Now, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Bitcoin Conference 2023. This is going to be a three-day event held May 18th through 20th, 2023 in Miami, Florida. This is going to be the biggest Bitcoin event of the year, and the past two years in Miami have been simply amazing. Speakers already announced for 2023 include Michael Saylor, Alex Gladstein, Corey Clipston, and many others. Last year, we did a 10 million sats giveaway specifically for this event, and we're going to do it again this year. So to get discounted tickets and enter for a chance to win 10 million sats, go to b.tc slash conference slash 2023 and use discount code BREEDLOVE. 
Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Masterworks. Masterworks gives you access to the fine art market at more affordable price points. They do this by offering you fractional shares in their $500 million portfolio of fine art. Now, fine art is an alternative asset class, and historically, it's been a great performer and a really good hedge against inflation. Most investors typically hold anywhere from 2 to 10% of their assets in an asset like fine art. To sign up or learn more, go to masterworks.com and use promo code BREEDLOVE. Now, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CASA. CASA makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, CASA provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. So let's talk about, because so we were at an event together the other night. Uh-huh. We were at the newly established Bitcoin Park. In yes. A beautiful, great area in Nashville, Tennessee. And they were having um, their monthly Bitcoin meetup. And I think you're involved with that project to some extent. Like, what, what are you... I guess, first of all, what do you think about Bitcoin Park? Yeah. It's pretty cool. And yeah, what are a, you doing with Bitcoin Park? Right. I, I, I came through, I did something called the Texas to Tennessee tour. I wanted to go out and do a lot of meetups across the South. Mm-hmm. I needed to go meet some ranchers and stuff. So I was on the road for, you know, uh, it's about six weeks that time. I think I did on that trip. It was about 12, 14,000 miles. But I stopped off in Tennessee. I stopped off in Nashville. And, you know, I, I'm, I knew Broad and Matt kind of through, you know, Twitter. And mm-hmm. we never met in person. And so they had just now moved into Bitcoin Park. Mm-hmm. 1921, um, what is that? Uh, 21st Avenue. That's right. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's yeah. right there. Isn't that close? It's close to Vanderbilt. But it's in a beautiful part of Nashville. Yeah. And so what I went there and I talked to Matt and Rod, you know, the founders and Mills, of course, she's over and uh, over across the pond at Hoddle Nuts thing. But what we sat down, it's like, I want to create what we've done in Texas here in Nashville, because logistically and as far as just the people in Nashville, what they're doing there is very special. Yeah. And you saw that. Yeah. And so what we agreed to do is like, let's have a Tennessee beef initiative. Hmm. Let's go ahead and work as a team. Let's collaborate and let's go ahead and get you a headquarters here at Bitcoin Park. So that was back in June that we decided to do that. Well, we're moving forward now in the fall. It's, you know, Matt and Rod, are, we're, we're building a team and we're going to start bringing in producers to Bitcoin Park and say, hey, would you come over and um, tell us what you do and why you do it? Hmm. Let's let's get some producers in Tennessee North Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky, the Virginias. Let's start moving people and have them pay attention to what's going on at Bitcoin Park. Hmm. And if we do that, we're building another node. Yeah. So we're going to collaborate. I am going to have a headquarters a office at Bitcoin Park. Awesome. And so we're going to build that node just like what we did in Texas. And you're trying, I guess, 
the microprocessor would be kind of the model you would like to see seated around. Does Tennessee have beef cattle? I'm not. I'm yeah, they have more hog. More hog. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot. There's plenty of beef in Tennessee. Oh yeah. But see, people don't understand that because one, their consumer demand is over there at Kroger's. You right. know, that's what you got in Tennessee or Costco. Yeah. They don't realize right in their backyard they have tons of cattle. Yeah. People don't realize it. They don't know that's how far separated we've become with the ranching industry yes. itself and so we'll uncover a little bit of awareness here that's, that's amazing so yeah like people are already there in close proximity the supply and demand is already matched essentially sure. but it's not it's the consumers are unaware of the producers so the consumers are just going through traditional channels 100 percent, which is coming from who knows yeah. south america we don't know exactly it's kind of crazy when you think about it that way well it is and everybody thinks that once again i use the word daunting and it is it's daunting but it really isn't you're not reinventing the wheel what you're doing is you're going out and building some damn relationships right and Shaking you're being okay man yeah, yeah you're just yeah. being intentional with your lifestyle man yeah. let's step it up let's let's really learn how to communicate again yeah. Let's, let's build, I mean, every rancher that I've met in person that is part of the beef initiative now, they're going to be lifelong friends. Right. And that's what I say. It's relationship building, but it's also a lifestyle that people are yearning for. Right. You know, I, I don't go to the supermarket anymore, man. <laughs> it, it's a peace of mind. You know, think about that. Yeah. I don't have to think about all that stress and stuff. That's a great strategy, actually, because we haven't talked about seed oils. Right. But that's been my recent um, removal from my life. Sure. Is the seed oil. And once you remove those, that's basically every food with a label. It really is. So the supermarket becomes... It's I funny still go to the supermarket, you do, but when I would like have to that, not have to. Yeah, when yeah. You, well, yeah, I mean, I go to the supermarket, yeah. but I really don't. But 10% of maybe what I do is at the supermarket. It's just that I don't have to now, and mm -hmm. it's not that hard. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutrition guy. Yeah. I'm a poor boy from Texas that ate beef as a boy. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to keep on doing as an adult because I, I feel fantastic. Mm -hmm. I understand how to acquire it. Mm -hmm. My consumption model doesn't have all that damn poison. Yeah. You know, And that's one thing that really kicked it off. You said seed oils. Whenever I was up in uh, North Dakota, you know, I was, we were on this one, you know, plot. And we were doing a turnaround. We we're doing about 12,000 acres as far as harvest. And used to, you do about 90% wheat of your right. total crop. This year, last year, it was 50% wheat and 50% rapeseed, which is What's canola. Yeah. yeah. And so by knowing that, it's like, why did, you, why did you plant this, dude? You're a farmer. Why are you doing this? I got to survive. That's what's bringing me the most money wow. is this rapeseed, is this poison, yeah. which a lot of people don't know. Rapeseed was outlawed by the FDA in 1956 for human consumption. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And what they did is they went in, engineered it in an industrial way and said, ah, we'll, we'll take out that little, that toxicity that will kill you. But right. now you can go ahead and put it in all your food. <laughs> Once again, the FDA Gross roll. And they call it canola oil? Is yeah, it? it's canola okay. oil. Obviously, they didn't want to use rapeseed oil. Right? Guess what, sell. though? Guess what now that they're doing with this greenwashing they're doing across the globe that mm -hmm. we're going to save the planet? Now they have organic rapeseed. Oh, my gosh. And people don't know. And also, whenever I was in North Dakota, it's a funny story. 
was in North Dakota and we're sitting there in combines and tractors doing a, you know, shift into the next field. Well, there's a big tourist van and there's a lot of people taking pictures of this field of rapeseed. And if you do a Google search and whenever a rapeseed, it blossoms, it's yellow. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. I mean, mm-hmm. especially when you got 10,000 acres of a yellow flower, you're like, oh my gosh, that okay, looks yeah. kind of cool. Well, now it's becoming to- photography tourism. And it's becoming something that people like follow uh, cherry blossoms across the world. They're Falling starting to follow rapeseed. fucking rapeseed across wow. the world. Yes. Wow. Um, That's very fiat, by the way. Very fiat. <laughs> just a little bit of overview on seed oils, because this is still kind of, I mean, it's pretty new. Like mm-hmm. when I tell people about seed oils, most people haven't heard about it. Right. Um, you probably know more than me, but I just, I cut them out about a year ago mm-hmm. and i'm i'm a white boy so i would go in the sun 15 20 minutes a day and i would get really barbecued right. but after about six months no seed oils i was in hawaii surfing no shirt three four hours yeah. no problem like just brown it's amazing uh you can still get burnt like don't you know this mm-hmm. is not advice or whatever but right. it's definitely a step change in well-being there's a lot of other things but um what's wrong with seed oils what do they do you know like what it is they do to us that ruins things the only way I like to look at it is if you look at something that that has been injected into our consumption model that basically if you watch how it's processed mm-hmm. in the the industrial machinery it looks like industrial sludge it does yeah. and so anytime you have to do that to any food product yeah. I don't have to go too deep into knowing exactly but I know yeah. a lot of the the seeds that we do a lot of them do have toxicity to them yeah. a lot of the industrialization of that processing of that seed is eliminating that toxicity out of that seed. Yeah. But just to say where seed oils come from, so people can kind of understand the pathway that they took. In the 1900s, early 1900s, Procter & Gamble used to make basically the most candles in the world, hmm. okay? Well, what they use? They used cotton seed. Okay. Okay, well, all of a sudden, they weren't selling candles. What happened in 1900s? We got electricity. Right. So people quit buying candles. Well, Procter & Gamble uh-huh. said, holy shit, we got to do something with all this cotton seed, man. We've been using, we've been profiteering off of this cotton seed all these years. What are we going to do now? Voila, you had Crisco cooking oil. Interesting. And they targeted the heritage woman, the farmer, everything. And they started introducing seed oils as vegetable oil. Boom, boom, boom. We start the deception even that many years, 120-something years ago. Interesting. I didn't yeah, know that. it's fascinating. Wow. If you, you can you can do your own kind of research. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to rabbit hole, like I said. So. Damn rabbit holes! You know, I know keeps they're un- branching out <laughs> in so many directions. It's uh, never ending. So speaking of rabbit holes, yeah, you're a Bitcoiner. Yes, obviously. Um, how did you discover Bitcoin? How did you? What's been your journey falling down the road? Well, you know, I get to say it and pridefully is like, well, I knew about Bitcoin back then and mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention. Even being in technology and all that crap, I just didn't pay it any mind. It wasn't that moment. In, in 2017, I started paying attention, but I had some family things that happened to where I couldn't focus. Mm-hmm. Whenever I told you, I kind of got busted up whenever I was looking at food intelligence. And so with my re- research into food intelligence, I've came across freaking Bitcoin Mm. and I was really lucky though, because, you know, I dabbled in the shit coins and a little bit like that. But what I did for some reason, I really gravitated towards Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and I understood the decentralization mindset of Bitcoin. 
And so that really resonated with me and it helped me go deeper into food intelligence because I started decentralizing my way of thinking about food. Hmm. So as I was doing food intelligence, I was learning about Bitcoin at the same time. It was symbiotic for yeah. me. That was my Makes journey sense. into Bitcoin wow. was because of food intelligence. So you were already on the decentralization path in a way before I was. you even got into Bitcoin. Yeah, I got out of big tech about 2015, <clears throat> 2016. I just dropped out. I said, I'm fucking done with this. Yeah. I'm done because I was pretty good at it, but yeah. I, I saw where it was going. And so, you know, I got rid of most devices. I was really living pretty, I'm kind of nomadic and everything. Mm -hmm. I've been around the world. I like to travel. I do a lot of different things. But I was already pretty much decentralized in my mindset, so it wasn't too hard. It's a natural fit, though. Yeah, That's it was. Great. It was. It was. I was lucky. I was fortunate. Yeah. Do you have an ways. orange pill moment? Do you remember like the aha moment? Yeah, I was. Point? Well, it was an orange pill moment, and was a beef Bitcoin moment. <laughs> it, it really was. It was all of a sudden. I was working out in a gym in Texas. It was a Planet Fitness because you know you can go anywhere in the United States and pay twelve dollars a month to take yeah. a shower and work out, right? Yeah. So I was at a gym and it was, it was an orange pill moment. I believe, you know, it was probably, and I'll give, I don't like to give too many people credit where it's not due, but this one is due. I'd read, you know, the Bitcoin standard oh, yeah. with safety. Yeah, and, and all of a sudden I was sitting there and I was working out and had the adrenaline rushing and everything. Sometimes you get some yeah. good thoughts. And I just understood Bitcoin and how to decentralize the food system at the same time. Wow. And I said, that's it. This is what we're going to do. And I think that next day that's I tweeted awesome. out something and I said, I called it the Texas Beef Initiative. <laughs> how fitting How fitting that the Beef Initiative was born while you were meeting out in the weight room. Right. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I, that's a good way to put it. So That's so cool. Yeah. Um, what? How do you orange pill people? Because I'm assuming mm -hmm. you probably talk a lot about Bitcoin as you're out talking about the Beef Initiative too. I yeah, and that that's something you know I get asked that a lot. Is like, hey, how do we orange pill a rancher? You know, and what I did find out is just not me being Mister Know It All about how to do this, but the full, really the the protocol that you use when you're talking to a rancher is you don't walk up on them. You don't step up on a rancher and say, <laughs> hey, you take Bitcoin. Mm. What you do is you go up and shake a rancher's hand. Mm. You look him in the eye and you say, hey, man, tell me why you do what you do. I want to know why you do what you do. Mm. Tell me about where you come from. You develop that relationship once again, and you build that trust with that rancher. Well, then you say, hey, what can I buy some beef from you yeah. or whatever it is they're selling? Maybe it's just a producer. Maybe it's hog. Maybe it's fowl. Yeah. Maybe it's vegetables. Who knows? It's yeah. clean food, right? And so once you develop that trust, that relationship, and that, that dialogue, guess where the conversation usually goes? Because you're going to go up to them. You say, hey, man, tell me what's, what, what are your pain points? Right. And you start hearing what their pain points are. Guess where that conversation goes? Bitcoin fixes this? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah or that there's a solution you need to look at. What I usually say, I always ask, I asked Will Harris today, I said, where's the store of the value of the cow right, right. now? And a lot of ranchers can't answer that question, but his grandfather could, he had a store of value. Uh -huh. And his grandfather knew what a store of value was. Right. Now these commodity cowboys, they don't know what the store of the value of the cow is. So I start talking about the store of value that we have now. Right. And it's it's something that's called sound money. Yeah, again, back to our ancestral roots, mm -hmm. right? Good civilizations built on hard money. We somehow lost our way the past 100 years. Mm -hmm. And maybe these movements are happening together for a reason. 
Yeah. I think so. I mean, it is. It's fascinating to watch because everything that I've done with the Beef Initiative, it's not a marketing plan. It's not some fiat-driven kind of thing. You know, I'm not a rich man or anything, but it just keeps on holistically happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it was Matt O'Dell said, it's amazing the balance, the yin and the yang of understanding and the education is so balanced between Bitcoin space and in the ranching and yeah. dense protein space mm -hmm. that it, it, just, it just flows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I just started reading a book I grabbed at the general store here, and there's like five principles of, of beef ranching early on, and they mm -hmm. seem very aligned with Bitcoin stuff. It's just yeah. don't intervene, you know, let, let it be healthy. Yeah. Um, I, I can't recall all five, but I can see where the, the pragmatic wisdom of the rancher and Bitcoiners are, again, just there's a pragmatism to sound money too, obviously. So of I can course. see where these these two schools would come together well you, you reflect i reflect on the first conference that we had it was in texas it was in kerrville mm. and what happened is that we we were there nobody knew what was going to happen we had about 100 people there right and we and had when was this it was in april april okay. yeah 2022 yeah okay and then we had uh july was colorado and september here in uh white oak pastures but all of a sudden, you had a lot of people. You know, it was old Nunya business, uh, David. He he came down from the Panhandle, Texas, and he was sitting there. He goes, "I couldn't believe it. We're sitting here. We had Bitcoiners orange pilling ranchers, and we had ranchers ranch pilling Bitcoiners." Ranch pilling. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point in time, we just like we're onto something because so it cool. happened. It happened naturally. You yeah. did. You had ranchers and Bitcoiners just talking to each other. That's amazing. And they weren't uncomfortable. Uh, Right. It wasn't hard for them or anything. So That's it was amazing. just natural. That's great. Yeah. Slim, I, you know, thank you for what you're doing. Hey, I mean, man. This is important. And I just, beef saved my life. Yeah. I, I should have listened to my instincts because beef's always been my favorite food. But I lost my way too, eating a bunch of garbage for a few years and had some problems. Beef's brought me back. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are struggling in the world with similar, you know, uh, autoimmune, metabolic issues, obesity, like you name it, beef mm -hmm. can help start to resolve it. So this it, seems medicinal. Like. It, it is medicinal and people need to le lose the cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. It's not a judgment, man. This is not saying, hey, we're better than you. It's not a vegan or a carnivore no, it's issue. It's whatever works. It is. It's whatever works. And it's about, you know, this type of dense protein we're mm -hmm. talking about is it's, it's done with people that are intentionally basically really growing soil mm -hmm. they're the ones that are saving the damn planet here they're the ones that are saving and being very humanely or you know the the, the humanely treatment of these animals the stewardship of these animals everybody should get behind because mm -hmm. it's so simple it gets complicated to a lot of people right and so that's what everybody needs to understand it's like you don't have to be a carnivore yeah. But if you can start with some dense protein, kind of work out from there. Yeah, and just get the getting the poison out of the food. Yeah, seems exactly. Obvious. It's yeah. about clean food, man. Yeah. It's about purity. It's clean you know, food, yeah. pure spirit, pure heart. You know, right? Pure intentions. Yes. You know, pure transparency. Let's just all, let's all just uh, move forth with a. It's a form of empowerment. I think a lot of people are looking for. Yeah, it's a great ethos, and that again, it really is, is common with the Bitcoin community. And, and yeah, so that's. Super cool you're doing this. Yeah, I appreciate it. Where man. can my audience find out more about you or your work? I think the best way, I like driving people to the, the Substack because it, it's from the beginning. You can mm -hmm. kind of see that harvest of deception. And that's and Texas. The notes you were compiling as mm -hmm. you went are on the Substack. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. It's uh, texaslim.substack.com. 
and in the beef initiative of course beefinitiative.com and we've got you know all kinds of our why on there our mission basically you can buy beef from us of course yep. with bitcoin or fiat so those two platforms are what you need to look at awesome and then i'm at modern t man on twitter of course modern t man uh-huh. okay or just just do a Google search on Texas Slim. People like that name, but that, <laughs> it's a great that name. It, well, my mom my mom gave it to me as a young child. Really? Oh so yeah. Nickname? Yeah, it's a nickname. Okay. It's is. I was I was a runt and I was very small and I had a very skinny waist, and so uh, we you know Texas we had you know we bought our jeans at a Western store. Well, they had Wranglers and uh-huh. they came out and she she always had to take up my clothes. Well, Wrangler came out when I was really like a tyke, and they came out with this jean called Texas Slim. And so she told me they named it after me. So there you have it, Texas Slim. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yep. That's a great Way name. to go, Mom. Slim, thank you so much, Thanks, man. Thanks, Robert. This is great. Great Appreciate to see it. you, man. Yeah. Talk to you soon. This is good, man.